We have a, a huge show today, potentially another uh, bankruptcy in crypto. Maybe this one could be huge. Some people are saying it could be the implications of it could be bigger than FTX. We're going to look at what this bankruptcy may be about and whether and how, and, uh, how big it is. We also got Gareth Soloway coming on the show today. We've got some good news for you, as usual. We've also got uh, news of the LFG audit. Remember how they try to defend the peg? Well, we've got some news for you around the LFG audit. So this is going to be a crazy, crazy, crazy show. Uh, we don't even have time for big intros. So let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Alrighty, wakey, wakey, rise and shine. Let's do this. Let's do this. I'm going to bring you the highest alpha per minute show on the internet because that's what I always do. You're going to smash the like button. If you're new to our channel, you're going to subscribe. By the way, we've grown by like 7,000 subscribers this month, which in a, in a bear market is unheard of. So it, 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 it just shows that our community is getting stronger and we are doing something right. Today, we don't have much time. So I'm going to go straight into the meat and potatoes of the show. I'm bringing Gareth Soloway on. He wants to be on before the, the before the market opens. Maybe he's got some big breaking news for us. Gareth, good to see you again, my friend. Hey, good to see you too, Rand. Thanks for having me on. You know, bro, when the when Bitcoin broke down under that 18, 19,000 level, I thought to myself, uh-oh, here comes Gareth's $12,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> well, it, unfortunately, it probably will come, but I think everyone needs to remember that this is going to be the buying opportunity of the century of people's lifetimes. So you got to look at it in the positive light. Okay. Talk to me about where we are and where we're going. All right. So basically, like you said, we had, we had this low from June. You can connect the low pivot here and right here and here. We finally broke that. We're now making what we would call a bear flag, right? So I've seen a lot of posts on Twitter talking about, you know, maybe the lows in, I'm covering my shorts. The problem is, you can see that's an upside down flagpole with a little flag on it. So that's telling us that is bearish. The next leg down, if it takes out this low at six, uh, 15, 666, you should get a move down to about that 12 to 13,000 target. So again, this is the final, this is the beginning of the final flush in crypto. The low will be put in according to my calculations within the next five to six months. So it's, you can see the end of it. Now, again, how fast does Bitcoin recover? That's going to be a harder thing to understand. I'm not 100% sure, but ultimately the lows at least should be in in about five to six months. Five to six months. I mean, that sounds like an, like an eternity in crypto. It is. Unfortunately, it is. But let's keep in mind that, you know, this is the first bear market cycle where the Fed's not printing money. So, you know, you have to give it a little leeway. We know that what's going on with FTX, what went on with Terra Luna, Celsius. I mean, these are all things that are causing a lot of hardships for a lot of crypto investors. And so it's going to take some time to regain trust. And I think that's the biggest thing here is that, you know, the FTX thing just is the, the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of hurting people. Big money got hurt in this situation as well. And it's going to push forward with regulation. So I actually think within three months, we have a framework of regulation for the crypto markets. I know everyone was so against it a year ago, but I think we see that you need at least some sort of regulation to keep the, the transparency there or get transparency in the crypto market. All right. So you're saying what the charts are telling you is that this unwind is going to take five to six months to, to, to happen. You're saying right now that your anticipated bottom level is? 
Uh, my ultimate bottom level is 9,000, but I think 12 to 13, we have a major bounce off of that, maybe back to 15 or 16 uh, in this range. We come back and test this low, but I do think that in five to six months, we've probably bottomed out just below 10,000. Uh, there's a, The interesting thing here, right, is that you have a trend line going back before the 2017 cycle to this area right here and this pivot, which was the COVID low, and that comes out to be right around 9,000. The other thing of interest that people should kind of keep an eye on is that to me, FTX was very similar to uh, Lehman Brothers, the collapse of Lehman Brothers. And so if you looked at Lehman and the collapse in the S&P 500, the S&P lost about 50% following Lehman in about five to six months. And if you look at FTX, the loss in confidence in the banking system in Lehman with the loss of confidence in crypto with big money even getting hurt. And then regulation. Remember, after Lehman Brothers, we had Dodd-Frank, which was regulation in the financial industry. And that's kind of what's coming for the crypto market. So there's a lot of similarities to me. And therefore, I'm looking at that five to six month time frame, which matches the S&P from when Lehman Brothers occurred to when it bottomed. And also a 50%, approximately 40 to 50% decline in the S&P, which should match the Bitcoin S&P drop. It all coincides with this trend line right down here. Okay, so that's Bitcoin. Um, what I said yesterday was that I think that if we weren't in this position in, 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 because of Sam Bankman-Fried, I think if you look at the macro, uh, we would have probably been at a $30,000 Bitcoin. Because if you look at the macro, specifically, I'm looking at two charts. The first chart that I'm looking at is the Dixie, mm -hmm. which is back down under the trend line, under the parabola, printed a lower low on multiple time periods. In fact, Probably going to challenge this 104.6 level. The second chart is the NASDAQ, which is again printed a higher high and on the way to printing a real long term higher high. I mean, if it gets up to 12,800, there's another higher high there. How are you seeing the macro environment from here? Yeah, so I think the macro, it, it continues to hover with the stock market. And I believe that right now we still have another leg lower in the stock market, you know, probably 20, 25% of the S&P. So that's going to coordinate with my, what I'm seeing in, the, in the, the low pivot being put in with crypto. And I think what's interesting for me is that when you get five, six months out from now, so we're talking April-ish, you know, May-ish, what you're going to see is the stock market will continue to go lower, but you're going to see an inflection point with Bitcoin where Bitcoin actually starts to go up as a fear factor kind of safety trade, like almost a digital gold. So I'm predicting that right around that low on Bitcoin, you're actually going to see the stock market continue down. The economy is going to be an absolute mess in the global sense, in the domestic sense here in the U.S., and you're going to see Bitcoin again starting to turn up in that environment, becoming a safety hedge. I want to show you something. Um, I've been tracking the price of gold uh, a lot, and I've noticed that, that specifically in the last month, there's been a lot of gold buying. They, I mean, yep. gold's had a, a very good run in the last month. Why are people all of a sudden flocking to gold when they realize that inflation is actually starting to come down? I, I always thought that people are going to flock to gold when inflation goes up. Yeah, so, so a lot of this gold action has to do with the DXY. So if we look at the DXY, which is the mm. dollar, the dollar topped out when gold basically bottomed out. And because gold is traded in terms of US dollars, when the dollar falls, 
that's when you start to see gold yeah. catch a bit. And what's interesting is that basically the more the Fed was going to raise rates. So if inflation was still high, the Fed was still going to have to hike by another 75, maybe another one after that. With inflation coming back in a little bit per the CPI and PPI data, now expectations of hikes are lower, which weakens the dollar, which actually helps gold. It's very counterintuitive yeah. in that way, but that's really what's going on. So if you want to look at gold, just follow the dollar. If the dollar is going to continue to weaken, gold is going to be a store of safety and something that goes higher. All right. So would you be buying anything right now? Would you be putting money into gold? Would you be starting to dollar cost average into Bitcoin? Would you be buying Ethereum? Or are yeah, you sitting so out of the market for maybe even short? Yeah, so, so for the most part, I'm now mostly short the equity markets, which is the stock market after this big, big run. Um, we've had a huge monster move. I think it's a little false sense that the Fed all of a sudden is going to be playing nice with the markets. I don't believe that's the case. I think they're going to stop hiking 75, but they'll probably do 50 or 25. And I think we're going to start to see the economy really start to crater. But what I am starting to do is I'm starting to dollar cost average in on Bitcoin. So basically, I've already picked up my first one sixth position of Bitcoin. And basically what I do is I take a chunk of money and I say, okay, I want to invest this much in Bitcoin. And then I chop it into about six, six parts. And I invest my first sixth in this area. If we get below 15, I'll do another one six below 12, another one six below 10, another one six, and basically just start to dollar cost average in. Because again, if you think about it, you know, if there were people that were buying at 50, 60, 65, 69,000, we've already fallen down to 16 now. There's not that much to go. And I don't want to risk missing the next bull market at these levels. Mm -hmm. Like I'm willing to tolerate being out of the money by 30% if my average is 15,000 or you mm -hmm. know, something in that range. I just don't want to miss the bull train when it goes back to 50, 60, 70,000. You know, I used to have a friend who used to try and pick the bottom. You should have smelt his fingers, bro. <laughs> yeah, no. And, that, and that's and I think that's the key, right, is that I'm, I've learned in my career trading for 20 years, mostly stocks and commodities, now crypto, that even as good as I am, it's hard to pick the bottom. So why try? You know, you know, you're getting into this level. You have to ask yourself, is the thesis for Bitcoin still sound? The answer is absolutely it is. So then don't try to pick the bottom. Just divide up your money and say, I'm going to be a robot every 2000 or $3,000 down, I'm going to buy another little bit and then just sit on it for the next five years or so. All right. So Gareth, you're saying short term, you're short equities, long term, you're starting to dollar cost average in, into Bitcoin. You're expecting the markets to go down. You're obviously then expecting the dollar, the Dixie to get to strengthen if you're expecting the markets to go down. So that, this is actually the kicker, right? And this is going to be something new is that in the, mid, in the near term, because the Fed is loosening and probably not going to be hiking as much, the dollar is coming in. But what you're going to start to see is the dollar start to fall more and more as the economy starts going into a worse and worse recession. And that's actually going to be bad for the equity market. So it's going to be a little flippening here where you have this scenario where the dollar up was bad for the markets. Now it's coming back in. That's good. But once the dollar starts to decline too much, it's an indicator that the economic picture is getting nasty. And that's going to be also bad for equities as well. So you're going to see dollar down, probably not yet. Still dollar down is good for the markets. But if we get down to like, let's say 100 on the Dixie, then below that, I think the markets start to be, be very scared about a weakening dollar. When you say 100 on the Dixie, I get the, I get the tinglies. I get the tinglies. <laughs> um, Gareth, uh, Powell meeting on the 14th of December uh, to discuss interest rates at the next FOMC meeting. What are we getting as an interest rate increase? 0 0.5, 0 0.75, 0 0.25? What do you think? I, 
I think 0.25 is what I'm leaning towards based on the, I mean, you're seeing more and more layoffs from, from all these fortune 500 companies. Um, the economic data is starting to show a break in inflation. I think the fed has to realize that, you know, it takes six to nine months for an inf for a hike in interest rates to play out in the economy. That means we haven't even seen the effects of the last few interest rate hikes of 75 basis points. So I'm in the camp that it's 25 and then they're done for at least a few months and they'll reevaluate. All right. I'm saying 50 basis points. I'm also going to fight you on your Bitcoin. I don't think Bitcoin ever sees 9,000 again, but I guess time will tell. One of us will be right. One of us won't. That's we'll the beauty of it, right? Much love, my friend. I know, I know you want to be with your team for, for the market open. So thanks a lot for coming on the show, man. Oh, it's always a pleasure, Rand. Thank you for having me on, buddy. Great to see you. Cool, buddy. Thank you, my man. Uh, I think Gareth had a tough time. He's lost all the monitors, which means he's probably lost all his cash. Gareth, where are the monitors? Oh, he's gone. Okay. He, he, I mean, he's gone. He's, he's got no more cash. The monitors are gone. All right. So that's uh, a quick update on the charts. Um, Let's talk about this contagion and potentially another breakdown in crypto. And this time it's a huge breakdown. So we're going to get to that. I think before we do that, let's just quickly get a Sam Bankman freed. A Sam Bankman freed. I'm taking too many drugs and I'm taking too many sleeping pills. And therefore, the stuff that's coming out of my brain is absolutely crazy. So we're just following his account. Um, now, remember, just context. This is a guy who has allegedly, obviously, allegedly, um, defrauded, used customer funds. You, you know the story. We've been covering the story for the whole week. So he started off by tweeting this, what happened over a series of hours. And then he said, I'll get to what happened, but for now, let's talk about where we are today. To the best of my knowledge, Ada's 11.7, uh, with potential for, for errors, Alameda had more assets and liabilities, but not liquid. Alameda had margin positions on FTX International. FTX US had enough to pay real customers. Not everyone agrees with this. My goal, my one goal is to do right by customers. I'm contributing what I can to do so. I'm meeting in person with regulators and working with teams to, do, to see what we can do for our customers and after that, investors. My goal, clean up and focus on transparency, make customers whole. A few weeks ago, FTX was handling $10 billion a day of volume and billions of transfers. But there was too much leverage, more than I realized, a run on the bank and a market crash, exhausted liquidity. So what I, can, what I try to do, raise liquidity, make customers whole and restart. Maybe I'll fail. Maybe I won't get anything for customers other than what's already there. I've certainly failed before. You all know that now all too well. Uh, and part of me thinks I might get somewhere. I know you've seen lots of this, but this is where things stand today. Roughly speaking, liquid, they have $8 billion whole. We know about that. Semi-liquid, they have $5.5 billion. And e-liquid, they have $3.5 billion, according to Sam's uh, uh, calculations. And he says, truth and beauty. I mean, what a way to end off truth and beauty. Not truth and beauty, blackness and wreckage is probably a better way for you to end off. So that's where he is. I, I think he's being delusional because I think when he talks about this illiquid and the semi-liquid, he's talking about it at ridiculous prices and certainly not the prices uh, that you could be getting today. And so where we are today right now is that, for one, the U.S. authorities are discussing extraditing him back to the U.S., for questioning. Now, the issue is that there is no extradition agreement between bah Bahamas in, in the, and the United States, which is probably why Sam Bankman-Fried was there in the first place. That's why do you set up camp in, in the Bahamas? Because you want to set up base camp in the Bahamas because that's one place where there's no extradition agreements. While that's happening, 
some VCs are looking to go after him for fraud. I mean, I'd be surprised if not if all the VCs went after him for fraud. And then, as you saw yesterday on our show, we had Mr. Wonderful on, and this clip has gone absolutely viral. And to be honest, if when after, after the show yesterday, I, I, I had to listen to this guy again. I, I just had to listen to this guy again. SPF knocked on your door again and said, look, I failed in my last venture. Uh, I have a new crypto venture. I need money. Would you back him? That's a great question no one's asked me. I love the look on his face. I think we can all admit, you, you can love him or hate him given what's happened, but he was one of the most brilliant traders in the crypto universe. He also built one of the most robust platforms. We used FTX actively. It was a very robust platform uh, that allowed us to get information on a compliant basis. So I really like what he built. Um, Would you back him? The answer would be yes. If now that clip has gone absolutely viral. If you didn't watch the if you didn't watch the show yesterday, go and watch it. So that is where we are. Oh, hold on. Let me just fix this color because it looks like I'm a bit red. Let me just how's that? Okay. Uh, it's a bear market. Okay. So that is where we are at the moment. Venture capitalists are looking to sue. There's a little bit of a backlash as to how the, the press has been reporting around SPF and what you can see. The smart people are starting to see that the press is actually starting to protect SPF. And you've got to ask yourself a whole lot of questions as to why is the press protecting the second biggest donor to the Democrats? Why is the press not coming down on him harder? Why is it? And there, a whole lot, there is a whole lot of speculation around this. Uh, one, of them, one of the pieces of speculation is from Balaji. Now, Balaji is the type of guy you want to listen to. He says, the net result of the FTX is that billions of dollars were stolen from crypto investors to give to Democrat-aligned politicians, nonprofit, and journalists, this is why there may be no prosecution. Why is SPF protected from the, by the New York Times? Um, the author is a born-rich journalist, so he knows Sam Bankman-Fried, and he knows the parents, and um, uh, the, the optics would look awful if Sam Bankman-Fried is giving away his money to whiskey po uh, political projects just as millions of FTX custom customers lose their deposit. So what, who is breaking this news is people like us, people on Twitter. So I think this is a turning point for mainstream media where we take over. People on Twitter spaces, uh, people on YouTube. This is where we take over and we actually provide news because we're not getting, we're not getting donations from the Democrats. We're not, we're not those kind of people. So um, anyway, so that's, that's what's going on in, in the mainstream media. You have to make sure that you don't listen to the mainstream media. Do not listen to the mainstream media. Listen to this, though. They're sending you billions of dollars of weaponry. The least you could do is reward their favorite mega donor. And what did FTX do with the money Ukraine invested? Well, they plowed it right back into the Democratic Party. Democrats send money to Ukraine. Ukraine sends money to FTX and FTX sends money to the Democrats campaigns. So that's what Fox News is saying. Now, again, it comes from Fox News. Um, if you look at other famous Democratic Party donors, Bernie Madoff, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, and Sam Bankman-Fried, um, all donating money to the, uh, to the, to the Democrats. Um, and then there's this other link that's now been dug up. Elizabeth Warren, Senator Karen, who is known for being an anti-crypto senator, who helped her draft her 2016 tax legislation, none other than Sam Bankman-Fried's father. So 
I mean, again, the link continues. The link continues. All right, let's carry on. Let's carry on with the contagion. So the contagion continues. There is a big concern that the contagion, that the worst may not be over. And a lot of people are talking about the GBTC trust, which is the biggest holder of Bitcoin, being forced to capitulate and sell the trust and actually put more buying pressure on Bitcoin. Imagine the biggest uh, uh, holder of Bitcoin coming out and saying um, that they would have to start selling Bitcoin. This came from Autism Capital. Uh, it says we're having we're hearing semi-credible rumors that Genesis may be having solvency issues. They have a call with their creditors tomorrow at AMEST, which was yesterday, to explain the situation. If true, they may be possibly dissolving the ETH and BTC, GBTC trust to pay their lenders. We will know more tomorrow. We are aware that Grayscale controls GBTC and ETHE, not Genesis. DCG, the parent company, is backstopping Genesis and dissolving the trust may be necessary if there are solvency issues. We're going to look at that because if that happens, that's going to be the biggest contagion in crypto. Bigger than the rest of the contagion. And if you are following the rest of the contagion, let's just quickly take stock of what we have today that we didn't have yesterday. The first thing that we have today that we didn't have yesterday is we have BlockFi. So BlockFi suspended withdrawals. We know that. And they are now preparing for potential bankruptcy. What happened with BlockFi? Remember, BlockFi first collapsed. They were then bailed out by FTX. Then FTX took a loan from BlockFi using customer funds. So get this. BlockFi can't pay back its obligations. Who gets in to save them? Sam Bankman-Fried says he comes in. Here's the article over here. This is when Sam Bankman-Fried, the embattled billionaire, saw that even though they couldn't pay their customer withdrawals, they still had a lot of customer deposits. So what does he do? He bails them out. He bails out BlockFi. Now that he owns BlockFi, he says, okay, cool. Well, I've got all this customer money. Don't worry, guys. Everything's good. It's liquid. Everything, your money is liquid. Uh, your, your money is safe. Don't worry. We've got enough assets. It's in the hands of FTX. He then takes a loan for FTX of $600 million from BlockFi using user funds because it's the user funds that collateralize loans. He takes the $600 million. And then when FTX collapsed, he couldn't pay back the $600 million. And the information that I have was that Zach, who is the founder of BlockFi, was on paternity leave. He gets this phone call uh, telling him. Sam was then telling him that he is trying to pay the loan. Don't worry, my friend. I will, have, I will bring you the money. Delusional Sam, I will bring you the money. And then what happens? Well, he realizes that he can't play. And now uh, BlockFi, another... Um, casualty of this, and, and, and I feel really bad because a lot of retail investors had their money on BlockFi. One of the retail investors had their money on BlockFi was Andre Jick. Andre Jick was a, a big, big, big proponent of BlockFi, and he had his crypto on BlockFi. And up until even last week when FTX went down, he was promoting BlockFi in his videos. I was shocked. I was blown away by this. But he was. And it's now gone down. And so as it stands right now, what do we know? We know that they are planning to file for bankruptcy. They're laying off workers. They suspended customer withdrawals. And we know that a year ago, they had $14 billion worth of deposits. And I want to just show you what a difference a year makes. Okay, So a year ago, this company has $14 billion of customer funds. This video is from about a year ago. Um, I feel really bad for Pump. I really feel I, I really feel bad for him, but you got to watch this video. It's 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 humorous. So what? Rock we, so rocket what ship, get on board. So why but finally, 
my message to each of you is don't trust, verify. $50 million a month, a month. I have been reminded of this lesson multiple times this year. Is Block, why does BlockFi need this much money, first of all? What are they going to do? Growing over 500 employees now around the world, 225,000 users, over $15 billion in assets in the platform, $50 million a month, a month, a month, a month, a month, $50 million a month in revenue. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's roll. Let's roll. Shama, I mean, I feel I feel really bad for Pump because he's taking a lot of flack. I even saw that um, uh, that Jim Cramer commented, and I mean, Jim Cramer has let's see, two. Yeah, he says love at Pump, but he put me into BlockFi, and so Pump says laugh my ass off, uh, Jimmy. Chill, you said you sold and you bought a, and you bought a farm. The other shady thing that that BlockFi were doing, it wasn't shady. It was it was perfectly legal, but. There was a time where GBTC traded at a premium. And what, Block, what, G, what BlockFi used to do is they used to take customer money, they used to invest it in GBTC at par value because accrediting institutions could invest at par value. And then they used to sell it to retail consumers at a premium. So you get what happened. Retail investors who weren't accredited couldn't buy GBTC shares at par value. They had to pay a premium. In fact, let me show you the premium over here. Um, here we go. So this shows you these retail consumers had to pay up to 150, 130% premium for, for months. Look at this. July 17, Jan 18, all this time, retail consumers had to pay a premium for GBTC. Because if they wanted to buy Bitcoin, they didn't have Bitcoin accounts. And if they weren't accredited, the only place they could get exposure to Bitcoin at the time was the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust because it was listed like a share. So what happened? Well, on a, at a certain time, the premium became a discount. And this is where BlockFi all of a sudden borrowed money from customers. And then instead of selling at a premium, they now had to sell at a discount. And the discount got worse and worse and worse. And today, the discount is at about 40%. And so that's when they had to first start raising money. And then they got hit by uh, Luna. And that is pretty much, for me, the end of BlockFi. So that's, that's one big casualty that we've had today. There's another casualty that we've had today. No, no, no. There's another rumor of a casualty that we've had today. And that is the rumor that Silvergate Bank may be having some issues. So this is the Silvergate Bank share chart. You can, you can see it over here. Uh, right now, in the pre-market, it's trading at 27.60. Um, it's gone down just in, let's look at November. So in, just since no, uh, it's halved in November. Now, what is uh, Silvergate? Silvergate is a bank for crypto. And a lot of the crypto companies in the world use Silvergate Bank as their bank. Now, if you have a crypto business or if you have a, a business that deals in crypto or has anything to do with crypto, you'll know it's very difficult to get a banking license or to get a banking account. But the one bank that actually does do this is a is a bank that's domiciled in the US, in San Diego, it's called Silvergate Bank. And what they set out to do was they set out to become the bank for crypto companies. They were the one bank that was really, really, really friendly to crypto companies. And now, because of this collapse, they have been attacked. Uh, their price has been attacked. So the first part of the attack was this part. The crazy thing is, these guys are so stupid at SI, 
right? The CEO's son-in-law was the head of risk. So they figured out something was wrong. And, and before FTX went bankrupt, this is what they promoted. It says, this is from their website. It says, life as a crypto firm can be divided up into before Silvergate and after Silvergate. It's hard to overstate how much it revolutionized banking for blockchain companies. And that was endorsed by Sam Bankman-Fried, founder and CEO of Alameda Research and FTX. So, nuts. so nuts. I, it's, 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 it's crazy. And they put this thing out saying it's only a billion dollars of deposits. Well, if there's a run on the bank and the U.S. government wakes up or the Treasury wakes up and they start kicking the tires of, of this bank, they're going to realize they have no KYC on right now, which is know your customer, or they have no AML on right now, which is anti-money laundering. Because FTX is a criminal operation, cut and dried. And if they were doing all this business for FTX, look at what happened to all the banks that did business with Madoff and things like that. So this is serious ass shit. And, and the fact that they put out a press release on Friday to try to hype their garbagey ass stock, you know, real guys reached out to me and said, can you believe this? And I said, it's absolute dog shit. So I am short SI. I think SI is garbage and they need to be called. All right. So he is short. He was right. His uh, short is starting to play off. We're also getting reports that that SI recently subpoenaed Silvergate bank records reveal $425 million in transfers from SI Bank to accounts in South America, in, to South American money launderers. So again, this is coming off the internet. As I said, right now, the internet is probably your best source of, uh, of news. It says in June 2002, your, your, your affiant subpoenaed bank account records from multiple cryptocurrency trading platforms. The record show $425 million was transferred. Uh, here's a breakdown of the thing. And that's another potential capitulation, which is Silvergate Bank. They deny this, and people close to them also deny this. So um, that, that's really where, where, where Silvergate Bank is. Um, Silvergate Bank is a very, very, very important bank in the crypto world because without Silvergate Bank, a lot of crypto companies lose their license to operate. They lose their, their ability to, to, to operate because Silvergate Bank is one of the only banks that will really bank um, uh, uh, crypto companies. So let's keep our eyes on Silvergate Bank. I'm actually still bit bullish that there won't be any problems with Silvergate Bank. I, the way I see it, Silvergate Bank is FUD. To be honest, after the show, I'm going to take an equity position in Silvergate Bank. I see the market's just open, $28. Just look at if the stocks ever traded $28. The last time I traded $28 was November 2020. I think it might be an opportunity to take a position in the stock. So mark me down on a buy uh, at of Silvergate Bank at $28, Carl. That's just uh, write it down. Run called this, this, uh, this buy, $28. All right, let's look at the big story of the day. The big story of the day is this story over here. Um, it's a big, It's a big story. It's a story about Genesis and Genesis potentially filing for bankruptcy. And Genesis is huge. In fact, so big that Chris Berniski says, if Genesis is cooked and we don't make new lows, then what forces new lows? And what we're seeing is that maybe Genesis is cooked. Bitcoin's trading at $16,491. So let's talk about what, what, what this whole Genesis thing is about. So Genesis is a huge, huge, huge player in the crypto ecosystem. I'm sure that a lot of you guys have dealt with Genesis, but for those of you who haven't, they provide yield services, lending and borrowing. They, they provide derivatives. They are licensed. They have trading. They have institutional custody. They have institutional borrowing. 
It's a big deal. And to give you an idea of how big a deal Genesis is, in Q3 2022, they originated $8.4 billion worth of loans. They had a loan book of another $2.8 billion. They have eight, they've had $18.7 billion of derivatives traded, and they did $10 billion in spot volume. Genesis is a big deal. And initially, there were rumors that came out from Autism Capital uh, who said that they may be having issues. And he continued to say that we are aware that, that if true, these may possibly be dissolving the ETH and BTC trust to pay back their lenders. And this is a big concern because, as I said, GBTC is the biggest holder of Bitcoin in the world. And if they are forced to dissolve the trust to pay back the lenders, that would put huge selling pressure on Bitcoin. The question is, can this happen because of Genesis? And that's what we're going to investigate right now. So where are we now? Genesis first warned us that, that something was wrong. They said uh, uh, they lost about $175 million into the, in, the, in, in, in FTX trading. So down $175 million. Then they said, look, we also hedged our position. And now on top of that, we lost another $7 million across all counterparties, including Alameda. Okay, big loss, $202 million. Not the end of the world, but it's a big loss. Then they halted withdrawals, um, citing current market conditions around FTX and current market liquidity. And then they called an emergency meeting with their, share, with their shareholders this morning. They said at 8 a.m. and they sent out the letter and they said tomorrow morning, which is today at 8 a.m., Genesis interim CEO, Darar Islam, will host a call to discuss the state of crypto markets and the Genesis lending business. So only the one subsidiary, which is lending. So they had the meeting. Straight after the meeting, we got this message from DCG today, Genesis Global Capital, Genesis Trading's lending business, made the, difficulty, the difficult decision to temporarily suspend redemptions and new loan originations. The decision was made in response to extreme market condition dislocation uh, and loss of industry confidence by the FTX explosion. implosion. The impact lies with the lending business at Genesis and does not affect the rest of Genesis's business, which is actually in pretty good shape. Uh, importantly, this is temporary action has no impact on, our, on operations of DCG and other wholly owned subsidiaries. So what do we know? We know that they've suspended withdrawals. We know that only the lending division is currently uh, affected by it. We also know that they recently raised $140 million from their parent company, DCG. And to even think, to even be so dumb, I mean, let's just understand how dumb, sorry, maybe I shouldn't call other people dumb, or maybe I should when they deserve it. Okay, so to think that GBTC, Grayscale, which is a separate company from Genesis, would be dissolving the GBTC trust to try and make Genesis whole is absolutely absurd. Okay, now any, anyone with a brain, okay, and I'm not going to say anything. Anyone with a brain should be able to work that out. DCG is a big company which has invested in pretty much every company in the blockchain industry from Coinbase to Civic to Chainalysis to Blockstream to BlockFi. They invested in every single company in the world. And part of what they invested in was Genesis, one company. And who knows if they even own 100% of Genesis because a lot of these companies they don't own 100% of. And so to think that they would even consider liquidating 
the, the entire GBTC trust to try and salvage one little company here is ludicrous. And also, the GBTC trust is not their money. It is the shareholders in the GBTC trust. They have a claim on the trust. Not DCG. DCG can't just go into the trust and take money out because they want to dig into it. It's a regulated business. <coughs> so, listen. All respect to Autism Capital. Um, that was the most ridiculous thing that you ever tweeted. And I think you should delete this tweet because it's such garbage and fud when the market doesn't have time for garbage and fud. The narrative that DCG would dissolve the Grayscale Trust to save Genesis, Genesis Trading made zero sense to me. So we know DeFi first has a little bit of a brain, a big brain. DCG make $180 million annually in management fees alone from the trust for doing nothing but risk management. Why the hell would they want to uh, 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 break the GBTC Trust to bail out Genesis, which, by the way, they did with $140 million? Not going to happen. Let's move on. There is a collapse. Unfortunately, I think Genesis trading people may get, um, may get paid, but not get paid a lot. Uh, maybe they won't be made 100% whole. I think they will, though, but I think they're going to stop with the lending product. That brings me to the next point, which is GBDC. Now, I, I'm now, right now, entering a trade. My trade goes as follows. Selling my physical Bitcoin, taking the dollars from my physical Bitcoin and investing it into GBDC because I'm going to be paying 40% discount to the value of the Bitcoin in the trust. So what is GBDC? For those of you who don't know, it's a trust. The only thing the trust holds is Bitcoin, nothing else, just Bitcoin. And when you buy shares in GBDC, you're buying a share of the trust. So actually, it's a way of owning Bitcoin. The only thing is that it's you cannot claim it for Bitcoin. And we hope that this thing's going to one day become an ETF and then this discount is going to be closed. So right now, you could be buying GBDC at 40% discount to the net asset value, which is a huge, huge, huge discount. For me, it's a big discount. And I'm not the only one who's thinking like this. So this Hell Press, North Rock LLP says, yes, we did buy all the GBTC shares. I've watched GBTC spread carefully for many months and now being tempted to put the trade on from time to time, I elected to pass each time as there was no good catalyst for approval and, and, and the spread alone wasn't quite high enough to justify it. I feel both of the above conditions are now met. Firstly, the spread alone is 40% to just buy and hold it. This is a 67% gain if the spread closes. Because remember, if something's 40% above its, 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 uh, its level, in order to get up, it has to go up 67%. So when this gap closes, automatically holders are going to make 67% gains just by holding it. If we assume it takes three years, that's 18% extra yield for very little risk. More interestingly, I actually think that the FTX episode should accelerate the process because now we're going to get more uh, 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 resolution and more pressure on regulators to actually give us favorable regulation in the space. So... He says, my hunch is that eventually guests and others will provide more clarity in what's a security. And in my opinion, Bitcoin and ETH and some others will be declared as commodities and receive CFTC jurisdiction, while many others will be declared security. And he goes on. But the bottom line is, what is he saying? He's saying, despite both these factors, GBDC trades at a, at a wider spread than ETH. 
I'd rather own ETH right now outright. But if playing the spread, which I am, GBDC seems like a no-brainer. And that's what I'm thinking as well. I'm thinking now at 40% discount, I'm selling my Bitcoin and buying some GBDC. I'm getting 40% extra Bitcoin on my my uh, Bitcoin or 67% more Bitcoin on, on my Bitcoin uh, by doing it. But I know the risks. And the risk is that the discount can continue to go down and that this thing can take a long time. And remember, they're charging you 2% a year in management fees. So do your calculations and then decide uh, what to do. And if you want to buy it, you can buy it on Robinhood. You can buy it on, on everything on everything else. All right, a couple of good news. Should we talk about some of the good news things? Well, no, actually, before we talk about the good news things, let's talk about Luna. So remember when Luna started to collapse, they had $3.5 billion worth of Bitcoin, and they were supposed to use the Bitcoin to maintain the peg. The question is, did they actually use the Bitcoin to, to defend the peg? And for months, we've been calling for a report. We were saying, look, guys, it's a black hole. You sent this money to the market maker. Where is the money? How was the money used? And they kept saying, look, we'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. Okay, now they go back to us. And they're saying the following. They're saying that... Let's quickly go to the, to the thing. LFG spent $2.8 billion to defend UST's peg consistent with LFG's tweet. Additionally, Luna Foundation spent $613 million of its own money to defend the peg. Now, just to be clear, this was conducted by an outside auditing firm. Uh, it's called JS Held, uh, an experienced third-party auditing firm. So, I mean, to be honest, sounds logical to me. I haven't verified the on-chain data. For me, it sounds logical that this was actually the case. I think anyway, regardless of whether it is the case or isn't the case, the money's gone. Luna's gone. Um, the Bitcoin are gone. We'll never see this Bitcoin again. We should move on because there's nothing we can do to change it. We've got closure. Let's move on. Um, some good news before we talk about some bad news. Some good news. One is that we are seeing deeply negative funding rates on Bitcoin, which means people are, are shorting right now. You know what that means? You know what happens when people short? We get some kind of catalyst and then we get squeeze. Squeeze. So look out for squeeze. Mm, look out for the squeeze. Look out for that squeeze. It's coming. Uh, Long-term holders. All-time high. They are not budging. I'm not selling. I'm not leaving. Okay, so long-term. I'm saying it's the same thing. Okay. Second thing is, uh, third thing is there are signs of capitulation everywhere. I mean, this FTX is a sign of capitulation. Uh, all these tweets, Jim Cramer saying investors should ca cash out of crypto while they can. Snowden getting back into the market. Tom Brady removing his laser eyes. Um, all these YouTube influencers and Twitter influencers, I'm done with crypto. Don't want to feel like this anymore. Uh, Peter Schiff hosting a spaces. Let's discuss the demise of crypto. Tell me why you're still hodling. These are all capitulation signs. If I've ever seen capitulation signs, these are the capitulation signs. So it, now to me, it's probably safer than ever to start getting in. I'm not saying it's not going to go down anymore, but so, so be it. Another bit of good news. Uh, very good news. Very, very, very good news is that the current staking reward on Lido is 10.2% on Ethereum. You know what that means? It means that if you put your ETH to work, you're getting 10.2% on a green asset. That, by the way, by the way, by the way, is deflationary. How's that? You're getting 10%. Imagine earning 10% interest 
on an asset that is deflationary. Okay, I'm going to say that again because I don't think a lot of people are understanding how big this is. If you stake your ETH at Lido to become a validator, you get 10.21% return on your ETH today. That is a huge return. On top of that, while you are earning the return, the money supply of ETH is deflationary because the network is being used. It is, this is, this is bigger than Bitcoin. ETH will be bigger than Bitcoin in the next three years. I guarantee you that ETH will be bigger than Bitcoin in the next three years. You'll see. Lido can't be bankrupt because Lido is a smart contract. It's completely decentralized. There's no, you can't go, you can't go, uh, you can't go. Uh, people saying shill, shill, shill. Bro, I'm telling you what to do with your ETH. I'm telling you to put it into a decentralized Lido staking pool because if you're holding crypto and you're not staking it, then you're a moron and you're accusing me of shilling. I don't get it. I'm telling you that you can earn 10% on your Ethereum and it is a deflationary asset and you are saying that I'm a shiller. I don't know. You guys have lost your minds. Some people have lost their minds. Some people have lost their minds. Smart contract risk. Okay, there is hack risk. You know what you're getting yourself into? Um, lastly, I mean, okay. Look, I'm not shilling. Chris Berniski, who is a very, very, very respected market analyst. I'm not shilling. I do hold Solana. Chris Berniski, who is a very respected market analyst. I'm not shilling. Let me just repeat that. Hold on a sec. Hold on a sec. I'm not shilling. Chris Berniski, somebody else, that's not run. It's, his name is Chris Berniski, very smart man, says, on a bankless basis today, he said he mentioned Sol might be having its ETH $80 moment. So I wanted to run the maths. For example, Solana is 95% down, roughly the same as ETH went down 94%. Peak Solana in the next cycle could be $500. And he actually came and he said, agreed. If to follow in ETH footsteps, but one cycle behind, that would place sold between $500 to $1,000 per unit in the next expansion, depending on which parameters you use. Lots of work to do to get there, but possible. So just, I'm not, so that wasn't run. Wasn't run. So somebody else who said that. Lastly, let's talk about uh, the missiles that landed in Poland. Last night, we had reports that two missiles landed in Poland. First, we thought they were Russian missiles. Then I thought that maybe the U.S. engineered, allegedly engineered missiles to land in Poland so that they could then have an excuse because Poland's a NATO country. Then they invoke this thing called Article 4. And if they invoke this Article 4, that means that the U.S. has now an opportunity to invade Russia. Then Russia's defense ministry says, oh, we didn't, we didn't send any missiles that way. No one believed Russia. Turns out today, the latest news is that the missiles were actually from Ukraine. Turns out that the missiles were actually Ukrainian missiles that landed there. You, you, can't, you can't script this thing any better. You just can't script this thing any better. Anyway, I'll see you guys again tomorrow.
Uh, actually, I may hop onto Mario's spaces quickly. Uh, until then, have fun, trade well, stay safe. Enjoy that.